week around the topic of faith. And if I think of any battle that I've faced in my life or the greatest battle I've faced in my life, it is to stay in faith. You know, there's nothing like living in a world full of other humans to test your faith. You know, it'd be great if we could live in a world where everybody thought like us, uh, acted like we did and, and all that kind of thing. But you know what? I reckon that would turn out pretty chaotic in the end as well. Well, we find ourselves in this world where things don't always look the way we think they should on this side of eternity. And that's because we live in a fallen world. And you'll find that throughout your life as a Christian that you will sit what I have come to call the faith test. Now, I was raised in a denomination as a young girl where I was told God doesn't test us. And so I believed that for the longest time until I I found out that he actually does. He actually does. Do you know that the Bible says, and I quote, I want you to see this today so you know I'm not speaking heresy, in the book of James, chapter number one, verses two to three, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking in anything. In this world, as a disciple of Christ, your faith will be tested. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs that a righteous man falls down seven times, but he keeps getting back up. In other words, your righteousness does not so much depend on the amount of times that you fall down, but it actually depends on the amount of times that you get yourself back up, shake off the dust, and keep walking. In fact, this scripture, among other things, tells us that we will fall. There will be times when the circumstances of life threaten to grind you into the dust. And I want us to turn to the book of Habakkuk this morning. I want to share around a a psalm that he wrote called, uh, it's actually called A Hymn of Faith. And I want us to look at the story of this man who was was in one of the most oppressive, anxiety-inducing seasons of his life and some of the decisions that he made as a man of God. So I'd love it if you turn in your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk, chapter number 3. We're going to start reading from verse 17 through to 19. I think it's going to come up here. I'm going to read it with you while not falling off the stage. Okay. It says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. How many people right here know this is not a terrific day? This is not an awesome season in the life of Habakkuk. Go on. Yet, somebody say yet. Somebody needs to say yet with some faith this morning. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. It's an amazing thing when we can align and position our will to do something that doesn't come naturally to us in the flesh. I'm telling you, if every Christian could grab a hold of that truth, we would live in a very different world. Keep going. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high heels. That's high heels, girls, not high heels. When you're on your high heels, you're on your own. The high heels, God's got you covered. 
But I want to talk about three faith tests this morning that I believe all of us as believers will face, and I think they're as old as time. I think what we're seeing here in the book of Habakkuk is literally just a classic scene that every believer worth their salt will face in their lifetime. The first test that I believe we face is the test of unfairness. The test of unfairness. When you look at this scripture, the first portion is all about unfairness. I mean, he had a flock, he had a field, he had an olive tree, he had everything going on. He wasn't a lazy man, he was a diligent man. It's not that he was sitting on his backside watching repeats of Survivor. This guy was actually diligent. He'd put his hand to something, and yet for all his best efforts, he wasn't producing the fruit he thought he should. I wonder if you're here today and you're in a similar situation. Spent a lot of time in a marriage and you, for the most part, did everything right to keep that thing going, but for whatever reason, your spouse walked out the door. Or perhaps you've lived a healthy life, you've eaten well, you've exercised, but something happened and you were diagnosed with an, with an illness and it's just unfair. Maybe, like me, you raised your kids in the house of God, you loved them, you loved your spouse, you were a good example, but for some reason, your kids rebelled and broke your heart. You know what? Life is full of unfair moments. Do you know what A.W. Tozer said? He said, God can never use any man greatly until he has first tested him deeply. And sometimes we think unfairness moments of life are evidence that God is not with us. Can I tell you? On the contrary. If you're experiencing some level of unfairness, it is sure proof that there is a thread of God at work in your life. Just look at the Bible. From the beginning of time, the very first person, there was already unfairness. When we look at the life of Abraham, when we look at the life of Jacob, when we look at the life of Isaac, all, the, all of them experience great levels uh, of unfairness. When we look at the life of Job, friends, I mean, I wouldn't read that book for the longest time because I'm like, God, this book is just not fair. I don't get it. How can you have a conversation with the devil about one of your kids and have a bet? The devil roams, walks up in front of the Lord, and God says to him, Ah, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on the whole earth. And he goes, Ha, ah, I tell you what, if I would have, God, God only worships you because you bless him. And I wonder for how many Christians that's actually true. And we face the, first, the test of unfairness in our lives and then we decide to check out and throw God out because the only reason we worship him is because he blesses us. You know, I wonder if God is not so unlike his creation that he too doesn't want fair weather friends. You know, we get mad at God for the unfairness moments in our life, but with the same breath, we get mad at our friends when we go through a hard time and they take off and they're not there for us when things fall apart. I wonder if God's a little more like us than we give him credit for. God cannot use a man deeply until he has tested him deeply. I want to say to you today, what's on the inside of you? Because here's what a test does. It reveals what we know and what we don't know. So God will sometimes allow those moments of unfairness to come into our life to test us to see what we know and what we don't know. 
Because the thing is, until you're tested, you really don't know. I remember when I got married. How many married people here today? I've been married for 25 years, all right, a pretty long time. I was married at 17. I was a fetal bride. <laughs> we had to get uh, judges' permission to actually get married. And you know what? I thought I was an incredibly, like, placid person that had no temper and was really calm and never argued and there was no contention in me until I got married until I sat the test. And sometimes there are only certain environments that will reveal what is truly in you. And God will put you in moments of unfairness to see what you're made of. And I remember thinking, I am not a psycho. But within the first year, it was clear I was a psycho. <laughs> Standing before you today is a reformed, raging lunatic. I did it all and more. I chased my husband down the street. I tried to jump out of a moving car. I threw a box of Legos at his head. I whipped him with a belt. I was a violent, violent woman. I want to give hope to some husbands out there because God makes so reformed my life that now he has me leading a women's ministry. Let me talk about the miraculous right there. But I had to go through, yeah, go on, give God a shout because that is as good as turning water into wine, baby, just saying. Some of you today will be in the midst of an unfairness test and you're asking God, where are you? You're in a test. And you know what? Sometimes the teacher is quiet when you're in a test. Understand that just as you were tested, my friend, a test can be passed. A test can be passed. Do not be afraid when the test of unfairness comes because the Bible says when your faith is tested, it produces even if all it produces in your life is a relevant testimony. And I thank God for that because there is no one in the world that can answer or stand in front of someone who has never experienced a problem or a bad day. You know what? Some of the things I've been through, they've been incredibly hard. But at the end of it all, my stretching, my unfair moments, the things I've faced, the drama I've been through has given me a testimony and an ability to talk to a world that doesn't live a perfect life. They can't look at my life and look at, she's a princess, she's never had a bad day. She's just some kind of paralyzed princess that has absolutely no relevance to the world that she was called to. I have a testimony. I have a testimony of God's provision, of him as Jehovah Jireh, because I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to drive a car that's embarrassing and to not have money to buy your kids Christmas presents or even get a turkey on Christmas Day. I know what it's like to suffer the pain of loss. I know what it's like to have your heart broken by a child who is hell-bent on rebelling against the things that they were raised to believe and to walk in. I know that pain. And do you know what it means? I can stand with other mothers and other people and other families and go, you know what, me too. But God is going to bring you through because he is an ever-present help in a time of trouble. You are not going to stay down. This is not the end of your story. God is going to bring you through in Jesus' name. Friends, the storm may rage around you, but it need not rage on the inside of you. Learn to be patient in the trial. This is not the end of your story. There will be a test of unfairness, but my friends, the test can be passed. The second test we face is the test of persistence. When you look at everything that's happening in Habakkuk's world, and I would encourage you to go home and read the whole story. 
It's a time of great loss. They're exiles, they're prisoners. Everything that was important to them, everything they held dear was taken away from them. And you know what? It was the hand of God that did it. Like God allowed them to be put into this position because he wanted to fortify a resilience and a strength and remind them, you can't go off worshiping other gods because it's going to end badly for you. The worship of foreign gods will be a snare to you. And I'm going to show you through a season of unfairness that I am the only one worth your worship and your following. So we find Habakkuk making this confession in a time of great distress and sorrow. And perhaps you're here today and you are in a time of great distress and sorrow. What I love about Habakkuk is he didn't get up and just start moaning about his lot. He said, and yet I will rejoice in the Lord my God. I will joy in the God of my salvation. He had a confession on his lips that was different to the experience he was having at that moment. And friends, as Christians, there will be some and yet moments in our life. You've got to engage your will to go, you know what? What I feel like doing now is walking out the doors of the church and never coming back. What I feel like doing now is finding another religion that doesn't cost me so much. What I feel right now is to turn tail and run from this situation because it's too hard to handle. But there will be some and yet moments in life that will require us to do what our flesh really doesn't want to do. Giving is one of those moments. You may be in the midst of a financial crisis and I know what that's like. I know the pain of not having enough to make ends meet. But this is not the time to stop tithing. That's not the time to say, you know what, right now I'm going to hide my money away because I can't afford to tithe. Tithing is an and yet moment. My bank account is being stretched. It feels like the devourer is coming against me. Everything seems to be going wrong. And yet I will still faithfully bring my tithes into the storehouse. Becky, will you come up for a second? Becky, I want you to quickly share a testimony. This is my friend Becky, everyone. Hello, from, everyone. From America. Can I just say that she was a probation officer for the longest time, great preparation for her to become a pastor. And um, we were talking this morning about a story, and I, I wanted you to share it because I thought it so perfectly illustrated this point. Beautiful, absolutely. Um, on a Sunday at our, at our church, I was sharing around giving, and I was sharing our testimony about uh, a season we really went through in our marriage where we had owned 11 properties and had several hundred thousand dollars in our bank account. And when, you know, everything global crashed, we lost everything. And it was a really difficult season, but I was just sharing with everyone, like, do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart. And I was sharing our testimony and a beautiful young woman in our church came up to me after and she asked to have coffee that week. And I was, absolutely. And so when I was on my way to meet her for coffee, I'm pulling into the center and there was a little shopping area over here. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me as I was driving in for that coffee appointment, you're going shopping today. And I'm like, no, actually I'm going to work after this. <laughs> but okay. But I heard the voice, you're going to be going shopping today. 
Didn't know what that meant. I thought it was me just being selfish and wanting to spend money. But um, so I had the coffee and I sat down with this beautiful woman in our church and she was just kind of weary and she was saying, I was just listening to your message on Sunday and I just, I just, I wanted you to just encourage me. We've been going through a really difficult season. We've yet to stop tithing, but I'm feeling we may need to stop tithing because we can't pay our bills. Our kids just started school without shoes and, um, and she just began to share. She's like, but I don't want to stop tithing. I don't, but I'm really struggling. So I was just able to really encourage her in that time to not grow weary because you shall reap if you do not lose heart. And I was just able to speak into her. But as she began to share about uh, when she said, my children had to start school without shoes, um, that was the Holy Spirit saying, you're going shopping today. Yeah. And so I let her know. I said, okay, I... I I know you didn't say those things, so I would come alongside and help, but I need you to know that when I pulled into this parking lot today, the Holy Spirit told me I was going to go shopping today, and I didn't know what that meant, but now I know what that means. And so we walked across the street, and I felt very specifically to only purchase shoes for their children. We purchased a couple pairs of shoes for each of their children, and then I had gotten her some as well, and then I gave her all the extra money I had in my wallet, and I just said, whatever else your kids need for school, go ahead and get that. And um, as I was leaving... That, that time together, within about three minutes, she gave me a phone call, and she was just, she had burst into tears, and she was telling me, she goes, I just spoke with my husband, and that morning, all three of my children circled around, and they prayed that God would give them shoes for school, and so I just want to encourage you, God will not be mocked. He will not be mocked. Whatever you sow, you shall reap. And that was the beginning of an incredible harvest. They kept it persisting in their faith, in their giving. And in a year's time, you would be astounded what God has done. They were completely out of debt, having more business come in than they even knew what to do with. They're on vacation, um, able to do that with their children. And it's just such a beautiful thing because they, they stood the test and they kept persisting and giving despite their circumstances. And God is good. Come Amen. on, give God a shout amazing the test of persistence pays off my friend you may be walking through a valley but don't stop walking don't stop giving don't stop praising don't stop showing up you know I love this scripture because Habakkuk in his mind was still showing up to church you know oftentimes when we go through a crisis we can think well you know what I'm 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 gonna throw God out don't throw God out God's the answer, not the problem. Keep coming to church. You need the community faith more than ever. In fact, there's a story in the Bible about a woman by the name of Hannah in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 1. It talks about Hannah. It says that she was in bitterness of soul because she wanted a baby, but she couldn't fall pregnant. She was like barren. She had a condition called barrenness. She was told she couldn't have a baby. But you know what? Hannah didn't stop going to church. She kept going to church because the Bible says in multiple times during the story of Hannah that the Lord had closed her womb. And it's interesting to me, so she obviously thought, well, okay, if the Lord has closed my womb, then he can open it again. A lot of people would get a bad attitude, a chip on their shoulder and a whole lot of bitterness, but I think sometimes God allows things to happen in our lives so we will learn to persist and break through in prayer. Don't give up, my friends. Hannah was found in church. You know, here's the, the funny thing. Her husband says to her, he, he, try, he actually tries to get her to calm down. He's like, Hannah, why do you weep? Why are you distressed about not having a baby? Am I not better to you than 10 sons? 
Yes, that deserves a laugh. Please laugh. Because we all need to marvel at the wonderfully magnificent ego of a man. I mean, it's like a man's ego is here and reality is all the way over here and never the two shall meet, okay? So I reckon that was the last flippin' straw for Hannah. Because then it says, and then Hannah arose and she went to church. And the Bible says that she was found in church. This woman who had sat the test of unfairness was persistent in showing up to God's house. And then the Bible says that she poured out her complaint before the Lord. And she prayed with such fervency that the priest turned up and said, oh my gosh, why are you drunk in the house of the Lord? She was praying with such passion that Eli the priest thought she was drunk. And he said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you, woman. Now, can you imagine if that happened to you and I in this era? If you've sat the test of unfairness, you're sitting the test of persistence, you turn up in church with a very real grief, need, and bent in your heart. You get to church, you pour out your complaint by the Lord, and then the pastor offends you. The pastor And it's interesting that in that story, it's not just a regular church member. I think we're kind of expecting to get offended by regular church members, but the pastor? How do... Well, I never. I think I'm going to check out another religion, and on my way, I'm going to lift up my laptop and write a Google review about how you should never go to that C3 church because the pastor got it wrong. Guess what, friends? The pastor's going to get it wrong. God did this really strange thing by getting humans to outwork his plan for the church on the earth. We're not always going to get it right. So do not be deceived. The enemy will use moments of offense to stop you being persistent to turning up to the house of your breakthrough. This is the house of miracles. This is the gate of heaven. You know what I love about that story of Hannah, and you should read it at home? is that her response to the priest when he got it wrong, and we will, we're flawed humans, we won't always get it, we're not always walking around with perfect 2020 discernment, and when we miss it, you know what? Don't get your knickers in a twist. Understand that there are sometimes misunderstandings. And Hannah responds like this, Oh no, my Lord, do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken till now. And because of her gracious response and her ability to persist in the face of an offense, Eli then stretches out his hand. And I want you to understand, there is a prophetic priestly authority on men and women of God. So when we come alongside you and we add our amen to your prayers, I want you to know that heaven hears. That's why the devil is so crafty at getting people offended in church. Oh, he loves it. He wants to get you out of the house of your miracle on the eve of your breakthrough because he's so invested in destroying your life. But the Bible says in John chapter 10 that Jesus Christ came to give us life and life in abundance. And part of that life is you existing in a church with flawed humanity and persisting in the midst of offense because your miracle, your breakthrough depends on it. Can we persist in the and yet moments of life? And yet, I will 
joy in the Lord of my salvation. It's like Habakkuk made a decision and a devotion to stay firm, stay the course in the midst of incredibly uncertain times. I want to encourage you today. Your faith will be tested past the test of persistence. God sees. Do you know that the Bible says in the book of Chronicles, for the eyes of the Lord go to and fro. Think about that for a minute. God is watching. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro, and he's looking for a certain type of people. Let me tell you who they are. And he's looking for one whose heart is loyal toward him. Do you know that loyalty can only be tested when you've got an opportunity to be disloyal? That's the only time. You can say you're loyal all the live long day, but we're not going to find out till you've got an opportunity to be disloyal, to walk out the door. You know, that scripture doesn't end there. It says he looks for the loyal so he may show himself strong on their behalf. God is looking for your loyalty because he has an intent behind it. He wants to show himself strong. So obviously you're all in church, so I'm preaching to the choir. But if you're here today, and in the future it will happen, there will be an offence, there will be something that you will need to persist through. I want to encourage you today, stay the course. God is watching, God sees, and he rewards those who are faithful and loyal. Can somebody say amen? Can somebody say amen? I'm going to invite my friend, the bands. This is point number three, so come on up here, friends. We're going to come to a close. I want to pray for some people as we come to a close. We've got a few moments left. Okay, let's have a look here. The final test is the test of the faith declaration. Do you know... One of the hardest things we will have to do in this life is declare and confess faith in the midst of a situation that looks hopeless and impossible. One of the hardest battles we will ever face is what we confess with our lips. Bible says those who speak rashly will come to ruin. It matters what we say. Our words matter. God made it so yours and my words would have creative power. We can use our words to either build our future or tear it down. So I've made a decision that I'm going to look at the impossible, hopeless situations of life and I'm going to send like an arrow a word of faith, a faith declaration into my future. And eventually when I'm walking along, I'm going to bump into that faith declaration. You know, because I've got a lot of things in my life that I'm fighting for. I made reference to the fact that I have a child that is walking through a pretty significant battle. And, you know, he's well on his way to complete recovery, praise God. But it's been an eight-year journey. And in the midst of that hard time, I had so many opportunities to curse. What was sitting in front of my face was a kid that didn't want to change, a kid that seemed intent on breaking my heart, a kid that seemed intent on rebelling against the way he was raised, rebelling against God, a kid that didn't want to change, a kid that was happy to throw his life away. When I looked at the facts, my friend, it's, friends, it looked hopeless, I'm telling you. And it's almost like, it's almost like with some perverse, cathetic thrill, it would have felt so amazing to just say what I felt. Why don't we love to vent? We're huge venters, us humans. But you know that the Word of God actually doesn't give us permission to verbally vent. God had a conversation with a guy by the name of Jeremiah in the book of Jeremiah. 
he comes to him and he says, Jeremiah, you're going to be a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah's response was, alas, my Lord, I cannot speak for I am a youth. And then God comes back at him and I swear the Bible does not do this scripture justice. I reckon it needs to be bold, italics with little asterisks all the way down. And he says to Jeremiah, do not say you are too young. You know, there are some things we are not allowed to say. Do not say you are too young. Do not say it's impossible. Do not say it's hopeless. Do not say you're committed to defeat. Do not say you're not going to get through. Do not say the answer is death. Do not say, do not say, do not say, but find a faith confession. When I looked at my son, and I'm telling you in the natural, it looked hopeless. God gave me a word and he said, Leanne, don't say that, say this. He said, confess Psalm 1 over your son, because you may see this, but that's what I see. See, God said to Jeremiah again, Jeremiah, do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? I wonder today if we could find a word that actually replaces what we see with our natural eyes with what God sees. Because this book isn't dead, it's alive. And it's full of promises that God wants you to add your amen and your faith declaration to. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, for the promises of God are yes and amen. We all know that part. But you know what it goes on to say? But the amen is spoken by us. For the glory of God. I wonder what words are in this book that God is waiting for you to add your amen to. You've been cursing your future, but God's saying, change your tune, friends. Get a faith declaration. Habakkuk had the sense to go, you know what? I am going to walk on my high hills. I'm not destined to stay down in the valley in defeat and captivity and loss and confusion. I am going to rise again. And he sent a word of faith like an arrow into his future. And I'm telling you, as I confessed Psalm 1, even in the midst of the hopeless situation with my son, I started to see change, incredible change. If you only knew the depths of the story, suffice to say, he had an addiction that could have easily taken his life at any moment. But God said, don't confess that, confess this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight will be in the law of the Lord. And I would see a picture of my son with the word open. And God spoke to me and he said, he's going to know the Bible better than you do. That is what I see. His delight will be in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he will meditate day and night. He will be like a tree planted by rivers of living water he will bring forth his fruit in season his leaf shall not wither and everything he does will prosper oh my friends can we change our confession today because everything will change when you change your confession that's why the bible says the bible tells us so clearly don't speak things that we see speak of those things that aren't as though they are i mean it's topsy-turvy in this world oh i'm just being realistic don't be realistic, be a faith confession person. There's a big difference between the facts and the truth. Well, the facts are, you know what? I, I'm not interested in the facts right now. What does the truth say? Because you see, when the enemy came against Jesus when he was in the wilderness, he didn't come back to him with a whole lot of mumbo jumbo or positive confession. He came back with, it is written. He didn't put his head in the sand, oh, you're not here, devil, you're not here, you're not here. You know what? The Bible says, resist him and he must flee. How do we resist the devil? Right here. 
There's a word in this book for you. Can you engage with what God has written? It is written. Can we dig? Can we stop feeling sorry for ourselves, getting down in the dumps and dig in the well of this word and find an it is written word? You know what? It's only in the distressing moments of life that we have to pull this book open. And I used to read scriptures that meant nothing to me as a kid that have become the anchor for my soul in this environment. There's scriptures like train up a child in the way they should go and when they're older, they shall not depart from it. I would read that and go, oh, cute. So cute. That is a word I depend on now. And some of you here, you're facing the fight of your lifetime, maybe over your finances, your marriage, whatever it is you're facing, your health. There is an it is written word. Listen, my friends, I have seen too many miracles happen to believe that your faith confession, what you say, doesn't matter. Of course it does. Oh, add your amen to the word of God, my friends, and you will see your life turn around as we come to a close. I want to pray for a couple of different people. We have, I think, four minutes left. Yes, okay. If you're here today and you've got a son or a daughter and you're in a similar situation to what I was in where they're away from God and your heart's been breaking, I want you to stand to your feet because I believe there is a spirit of faith in this building today. God's really good at bringing prodigals home. And we're going to pray right now. And you know what? Here's the thing. You don't call them and tell them everything they're doing wrong. Prayer is enough. There was a time in my life where I thought, if I just share, have the right conversation with my child, he wouldn't listen to anything I said. And, you know, I'm a woman of wisdom, and he still would resist everything I said. And it, it broke my heart. And listen, I'd done everything in the natural. I took his phone away. I took him out of the school he was in. I cut off his friends. I grounded him. I tried to keep him in the house but listen what he needed was a heart change and I can't change his heart only God can do that and God said Leanne you shut up in the natural and let your voice be come up to me in prayer so that's a word for you today but I want you to lift your hands because I'm believing in Jesus name faith for a miracle faith for a miracle we see sons and daughters coming back into the house of the Lord we declare enemy right now in the name of Jesus you give them up they do not belong to you. They are marked for the Lord. From the time they were born, they are not destined for darkness, defeat, and destruction. They are destined to be conformed into the image of God's Son. Father, I pray right now, wherever they are, Father, even in their sin, their dysfunction, their rebellion, that you speak to their hearts. God, you would send angels with human skin on into their worlds. Father, that would speak words that would resonate with their heart. And above everything, we pray these children would have a great, deep revelation of your enormous love for them. Father, how nothing can separate those of them who are in shame because of their choices, thinking, I can't go back. Father, move on their hearts like you moved on the heart of the prodigal. Let them come to their senses and come back with their hat in their hands saying, I want to be in my Father's house again. God, we believe in Jesus' name. They will not. There's some of you that have been terrified that they will breathe their last breath before you have reconciliation and they are reconciled back to God. That's a, a demonic thought in Jesus' name. I break the power of that thing. They're going to come back into the house of God. Your relationship will be restored again in Jesus' name. And you're going to have peace right now. I see peace like a river just flowing through your hearts right now. Give it over to Jesus. There's some things that we weren't meant to carry. You can carry them in prayer, but the rest of it is up to them, up to the Lord. 
is really, really good at taking things that we can't take care of. There are some things only God can change and only God can change your heart and he's working in the midst of your children. See this family here in the fourth row, uh, Sarah and and the two ladies by you. Yes, and you know what? Let me tell you right now that um, it, it, it may look worse before it gets better, but don't worry. God is working. God is moving. Even though you may not see it in the natural, know that God is bringing about a miracle. And not only will this one that has caused you so much heartache and stress come back to the Lord, they're going to come back with a fire. They're going to come back with a fire and a passion and you're going to be lifting your hands in the air saying, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Oh, beyond our wildest dreams, God, you are surely a restorer. For this couple here as well, I just want to encourage you. God's with you. And I see God bringing peace into your home, peace into your hearts where there has been trouble. Just know that the Lord is working. The Holy One of Israel never sleeps or slumbers, which tells me that we can. We can put our head on the pillow because we know that God never closes his eyes. He's always got his hand on our kids. I want you to just be encouraged and find a word. Find a word for yourselves. All my children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of my children. Confess that till you believe it. Come on, give God a shout. Give God a shout. Healing right now. I know I've gone a bit over, so I want to pray. If you need healing right now, let's stand up in this environment of faith. Let's believe God for your complete healing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's let's go, guys, just a little bit more. Yep. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Here's the Lord that rises with healing in his wings. You need to go home and you need to take communion. Communion is not just for one month at church on a Sunday. Communion is something that we can do at home in our own time. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. What is he getting us to remember? That his shed blood on the cross, that his body that was bruised was done so that you could live with complete freedom in your physical body. Today we declare... No weapon formed against them will prosper. Every voice arises against them in judgment. God will condemn. We declare today, Jesus, you were wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon you. And by your stripes, we are healed. There's people here today with mental illness, with depression. You need to confess the chastisement for my peace was upon him. You get that devil off your head because you remember that there was a crown of thorns shoved into the head of your Saviour so you could have freedom in your mind. You command that devil to leave you alone. Get off them, spirit of anxiety. Get off them, depression. We declare today that God says He is the lifter of our countenance and our God. I declare today that the joy of the Lord will be your strength. We command fear to go in Jesus' name. I see blood disorders. I see back pain. I see issues that have plagued for many years coming to an end in Jesus' name. You go home, you declare, you dig in the Word for you dig in the word for a word for your healing. You take communion and you watch what God does in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody give God a shout, a shout, a shout, a shout, a shout, a shout. Come on, like a wall-breaking shout of praise, a faith declaration that's going to bring down the walls around your life. Family members coming back. Oh, I'm telling you right now, financial miracles in this house. Don't grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, there will be a reward for your labor of you. 
Bible says he stretches out his hand and he satisfies the need of every living thing. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Don't let this be a moment. Let it be the beginning of a new lifestyle. Become men and women of the word. Listen, you can't back, come back to the enemy or your own flesh and doubts with it is written if you don't know what's written. Get it in you. Get it in your heart. Get it in your car. Get it in your home. Put it on your walls. Whatever you need to do. When I walked through what I walked through with my son, I got pictures of him as a young boy before he lost his smile. And I stuck Psalm 1 in the middle. And I would pray every day. And I would confess that scripture. And you know what? I've had incredible joy and peace in the midst of a storm because I got an it is written word on the inside of me. God bless you, friends. God bless you. Looking forward to the testimonies that will come. Outstanding. Come on, let's give it up for an incredible word. Amazing, Pastor Leanne. Thank you so, so much. So incredible. You know, I, I just felt that there's some people here and you need to continually listen to that word. Just listen to it, listen to it. Download it on the podcast this week and listen to it and listen and get that deep within you and, and get your word. Get your word for your season, what you're walking through. Get it from him and use it. It will change what's going to happen in your future. Have we got a few more things before we uh, end the service here this morning? And the, the next thing I'm going to do is so critical, so important. If you are here today and you've entered into these doors and you're not at peace with God, can I say today is your day? You don't have to go any longer. You don't have to go another day, another moment without having the peace of heaven in your heart, knowing that He is your Lord and your Saviour. So if you're here today and you haven't taken, see, that's the greatest. We're in a, sea, a season of, of faith. We're in a series on faith. But the greatest step of faith anyone can ever take is to invite Jesus Christ into your life. And if you're here today and you've either never taken that step, or maybe you've taken that step before, but you know that you've slipped away. You know the relationship, it's gone cold. You feel distant from God. Can I say today is your day to return? So right now, can we have everyone to bow their heads, close their eyes? This is your moment today. If you're far from God, right now is your moment to return. Right now is to throw off anything that is going to get in the way of the decision. And in a moment when I ask you to raise your hand, you need to raise your hand to say yes to Jesus Christ, to either receive Him as your Lord and Saviour for the first time, or maybe you've said a prayer before, but you've slipped away. Today is your day to come back. Today is your day to say, it doesn't go any longer, devil. Today I am returning to Jesus Christ. So right now, with heads bows and eyes shut, if you would like to say, yes to Jesus for the first time or you're returning can you boldly raise your hand in the air and say yes Hartley that is me thank you my friend I see that hand too thank you my friend who else is there this morning thank you my friend I see that hand who else is there you're saying yes that's me I need to receive Jesus here today whether it's for the first time or I'm coming back there's been three bold people courageous people that have said yes for their lives here today don't miss out on this friend Say yes, Hartley, that is me. I need to say that here today. I need to say yes to Jesus Christ to make him Lord of my life. There is no more important step of faith than this one here today.
I'll give it another few seconds. Who else is there? You're saying, yes, Hartley, that's me. I need to return. I need to return. I need to return. Wonderful, wonderful. Can we all look this way? What I'd love to do, we had a few people raise their hand. I would love, I'm going to come off this stage and I'd love just to meet you, shake your hand and lead you in this prayer. Can we do that right now? Let's just applause these people. Wonderful, wonderful. My friend up the back there, come forward with your child. Just come down the front. This is just so I can congratulate you. So beautiful. So beautiful. Wonderful. Could you come, my friend? Just come through here. Do you mind coming? We are so proud of you. As a whole church community, we're going to say this prayer together, and I'd like you to say it too from your hearts, to invite Jesus in, to have all your sins taken away in this beautiful moment. So let's say this together. Dear God in heaven, I thank you that you sent Jesus for me, that you love me. Today I say sorry for sinning, and I turn my eyes towards you. I accept you as my Lord and Saviour. And from this day forth, I follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. I thank you for our friends here today, God. Thank you, Lord God. He walks out of here in faith, walking tall, knowing his future is good. His future is safe. Touch him here today. Thank you, Lord, for our friends here. You've touched her this morning. Thank you for her boldness in responding to this call. Thank you, Lord God, you touch her. Take away the pain, replace it with hope and joy. Fill her on this altar right now. Thank you, Lord, for our friends here. Touch him, touch his family. This beautiful new day, in Jesus' name. Hey, we have some beautiful people behind you that is going to give you a Bible, have a chat to you. We are so proud of you. It's beautiful, beautiful, wonderful, outstanding, beautiful. Isn't that the greatest church? So good. People receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Hey, can we just quickly grab a seat? Before we end here today, what we'd love to do, because we are generous and we have received here, we are going to take up a love offering for Pastor Leanne here this morning. So what I'm going to ask you to do anywhere on your seat, if you find any envelope, just get it. Uh, you can scrub out tithes and offerings or vision builders and uh, just write it.